0: Hello and welcome back to She Inspired, a podcast about sharing the stories of women who are following our inspiration in the hopes of inspiring and guiding other women to do the same. I'm Lorna Morin and I believe too often we ignore our inner voice, the all-knowing guidance system within each of us who knows the divine purpose for which we are called in this life and who always wants what's best for us. As a result, We can end up in careers or relationships which are unaligned with who we really are and what we really want. This belief is born from my own experience, dismantling the life I spent 20 years creating because I realized the uneasiness I felt in life was the result of not living in alignment professionally, personally, and spiritually. For me, this meant walking away from a 15-year career in the public service to launch an online business and leaving an 18-year relationship to live as a single woman and co-parent to three lovely kids. I believe my intended purpose is to use my powers of connection to light the spark, to share the stories of women seeking and finding alignment in service to the awakening of all women. That is what She Inspired is all about. CJ Smith's journey to following her inspiration has led her from hospitality to emergency services to entrepreneurship, with some marathon running, law of attraction level fundraising, and solo parenting along the way. As an unconscious competent, CJ has always been effective at manifesting, but because she didn't know what she was doing, she would bring into form as much of what she didn't want as what she did want. Man, can I relate to that? Upon becoming a conscious competent, CG decided to launch a coaching business of her own, where she teaches the skills of deliberate creation to not only adults, but kids. Her program, Mindset Families, gives parents the tools to facilitate conversations with their kids on the power of thought energy and how to live in harmony with the natural laws of the universe. Total game-changer. And what I love even more is that the idea for Mindset Families was born through her own experiences, solo parenting two young children during the early days of COVID. Necessity truly is the mother of invention. We talk more about this, deliberate creation, and how to harvest the good in any situation. To learn more about CJ's program, join her Facebook group, Mindset Families. CJ, welcome to She Inspired. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Hi.
0: Hi. What's the weather like in Vancouver today?
1: Oh, it's raining sideways. sideways.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, You and I, we met through our mindset coaching community, uh, thinking into results with Catherine Farquharson. And I want to tell you that what immediately stood out to me about you when I met you through that community was your, just your drive, your determination and your drive. Like our listeners, I know they can't see you, but it really comes through. I think it'll come through even just in your voice, but it's really evident when you're on video. And as part of our conversation, we'll tell people how they can find you on Facebook. Cause I know you do a lot of lives and uh, they're really powerful. Um, but I think, as I said, people will hear it in your voice nonetheless. You're definitely someone to me who is just laser focused on her goals and it's driving forward no matter the conditions. So I really admire that about you. Uh, and you're a good student, I'll say, because that's what Catherine teaches us to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and unsurprisingly, perhaps you are also a mindset coach yourself and uh, you work with families uh, and we're going to talk more about your business and what you're doing, but you haven't always been that. And As you know, the focus of this podcast is really creating a platform, an opportunity for women to share our stories of what it's looked like, What sorry, what it's looked like to follow our inspiration. And I'd love for you to share a bit about how you discovered that coaching was what you're called to do.
1: Okay, well, thank you so much for all those beautiful compliments. And, you know, maybe I'll even just add I feel like as a woman or as a little girl, having those leadership qualities was something I was afraid of because our society doesn't always encourage those kinds of leadership um, qualities in young girls. And so growing up and learning how to harness those qualities in myself and understand that women can be powerful too and that, you know, I, those are strengths, not weaknesses and um, you know, whereas I had some paradigms earlier in my life around those and tried to almost play small because I was worried about getting um, negative feedback from really just tapping into my ambition and my drive and just, you know, afraid of being too much for other people. Mm. You know,
0: you, you remember Do you, you have that sensation, that memory as a girl, CJ, feeling that way that you were too much. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I do. I was I was definitely um
0: too much in what way?
1: Uh, you know, just in school being <laughs> the good student who's always like first to put their hand up. I have the answer. I have the answer. <laughs> and the teacher kind of being like, okay, just calm down because there's 25 other people here who also have the answers. So that's been a valuable learning thing for me. But then not to just be totally af- afraid to put my hand up too, right? Like if there's a balance there. And uh, and so understanding to... to um, use my personality in a way that is balanced. I actually have one tattoo and it's the word balance. <laughs> mm. Um, you know, it has been a real gift for me. So in a way, I'm really grateful that I had some feedback to help me become mindful about, uh, reining it in and then also just learning, Oh, but I don't have to completely shut down. There's a, there's a beautiful way to coexist with, with, uh, you know, taking up the space that I deserve in the world and also allowing space for others.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. I love how you put that. You said something that just intrigued me. You said um, you learned how to use your personality in a way, did you say that was balanced? Like, like what did you mean by that?
1: Well, what I mean is, um, for example, uh, as a child, sometimes my personality would come across as being quite aggressive um, because I had all this ambition and all this drive and all this excitement and stuff. And so it would come across as being too aggressive um, as, as what I was told, but, you know, as a, as a young girl. Um, right. But, but now I've realized actually aggression can be great. You know, if we go after our goals aggressively um, or if we are aggressively training for a half marathon, that can be really beautiful and wonderful and help us get to where we want to be rather than deciding that, oh, I, I shouldn't ever be aggressive because I'm a lady. <laughs> I guess that's kind of what I mean is is some of those leadership qualities sort of had a masculine undertone to them in the way that I grew up and the teachers and the um, parenting that I had. Uh, had me believing in some ways that I should almost shrink myself down a little bit. But really I, what I understood after working through that was, Oh, I just need to find the balance. So it's okay to be aggressive. We just don't want to be aggressive all the time. I don't want to be aggressive in my parenting, for example, but it's okay to be aggressive in the pursuit of my dreams.
0: I see. So learning how to apply, like seeing the kind of shadow and light side of that um, trait or behavior and then learning how to kind of find the opportunities to, um, you know, bring it up, amp it up, and when to kind of tone it down a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, well, it's so powerful, isn't it? The the messaging that we get as children, I mean, as adults too, but I was thinking about it in the context of what you were just saying, the, the masculine undertone that still, I believe, is... Um, attributed to kind of traditional notions of leadership. Uh, but when we get those messages as a kid, how they can really begin to create beliefs uh, that sometimes can serve us and sometimes can't, but that are, can be so deeply rooted uh, from such an early age and really shape the trajectory or trajectory of our life unless we become aware of them.
1: Totally. And I think I'm so grateful for that innate Um, part of my personality that has many of those leadership qualities and that courage and stuff, because really that has been the driver for me in a lot of the amazing things that I've done that I'm really proud of. Like when I was in my early twenties, I decided to pursue an opportunity to be a 911 operator and a police dispatcher. And I, I had no experience with that going into it. I had no. I, I came from the hospitality industry before that, so I was by <laughs> learning. How did that?
0: How did that opportunity come your way? That's very curious. Yeah, I just
1: I knew some people who um, I actually worked with in the hospitality industry who uh, were retired uh, police officers, and so I had been told a few times, you know, you'd be really good at. Um, being a 911 operator and dispatcher because you're very um, personable and you're also really, really good at multitasking. And it would be an incredible um, career for you if you were interested. And so I thought I would take it on because it was excellent pay for um, that age that I was at in my early 20s. And I was really fascinated by it. And I actually learned so many skills on that on that job that I have transferred to the rest of my career because I, I did that job while I was um, completing my Bachelor of Commerce degree. And then I transitioned into entrepreneurship and um, became a graphic designer and a, and a business coach to help um, my clients meet their business and marketing goals. Um, but I didn't realize while being a 911 operator that having the skills of crisis management would serve me so much when I would sort of be like, hey, It's okay, guys, there are no marketing emergencies.
0: (laughs) 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 It really can kind of bring things into focus, right? Or perspective is the word I'm looking for.
1: For sure. And I think that's really like on as a 911 operator, that was where I first started studying mindset because I needed to be in a place where I had a calm mind and a clear focus regardless of what the situation was.
0: You just were speaking, CJ, about the importance, how how your work as a dispatcher uh, gave you the appreciation for the importance of mindset. And I'm curious, was that an awareness you arrived at on your own, or was that part of the training that was provided to you there?
1: Well, it's a funny story, actually, because I um, ended up training on the job. Normally, there would be several weeks of training over in Vancouver that would happen, but our... Uh, operation communication center that I was working in was the the guinea pig for an entirely new system that was being rolled out throughout the RCMP. And so they did not send me over to training because of course I would be learning the old system and they wanted me to learn the new system. So I learned everything just as it came up on the job.
0: (laughs) Wow. As a 911 dispatcher. Yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't think that kind of thing really happens.
1: (laughs) Right. I mean, typically it doesn't. Typically, there's a whole lot of other training that happens as well, in addition to like learning the systems that we use, like the like the computer software that is used to um, navigate all the different pieces that go into creating a police file. Um, but in my case, they basically gave me a binder <laughs> of scenarios and questions that needed to be asked. And I at, at the first few shifts, I was plugged in with another more experienced operator so we could both hear the same thing and then they could give me some some feedback as we were doing it. But a lot of it, uh, I think I had one 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 block of shifts, so like four 12 hour shifts plugged in alongside somebody and then started, taking calls on my own. And I, I remember one of the first calls I took on my own was an armed robbery.
0: <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> oh my. So that's interesting. Cause as a total lay person who knows nothing about like the machinery of emergency services. So, so nine one one dispatchers, dispatches, you're working alone
1: you're in a room. Um, and it's actually, it's totally different now because things have changed a lot. I did that job about 15 years ago. Right. Um, so everything has changed now, but at the time when I was doing it there, for the areas we, um, dispatched for about five or six different jurisdictions and there would be, uh, about four people in the room at any given time wow. doing all of that. Wow. My
0: goodness. Um, so what's it, I, I, I don't want to stay here too long because I know it, it was a moment in time in your journey, but it's just such an interesting role. Like, what what was it like? What were your takeaways from that?
1: Well, it certainly offered me the gift of perspective. You know, I was going through some challenges in my own life at the time, so sort of driving to work in my own headspace of the things, the problems that were in my own, you know, hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And then arriving at work and realizing, okay, I'm actually quite grateful for the problems that I have, because yes. as I'm hearing, you know, people with these other really complex problems, it, it really provided a lot of perspective mm-hmm. for me at that, at that time in my life.
0: Yeah, I can imagine for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Kind of a gift, I guess, even when you're going through challenging times in your own life to be able to be given that gift of perspective. Did you interpret it that way?
1: 100%. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there was there was a lot of stuff I was I was you know muddling through with my own mental health and processing my own traumas, and then you know sort of leaving that behind, wiping the tears away from my eyes in the parking lot, walking into a shift, and taking a call that somebody who's um, you know feeling suicidal and talking them through that, and actually learning so much about my own self talk that needed to happen while trying to help others, right? Mm.
0: Wow, that's a powerful story, CJ, because I, uh, I appreciate you sharing it, because I imagine, you know, I can only imagine how um, it takes a lot of grit, resilience, courage, strength to do a job like that, particularly in the context of, you know, significant personal challenges that you are having. Um, it takes a lot to be able to, to go to work every day and, and do that kind of work. So good for you.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I always say if uh, if they always have it, they're always short staffed there. And so I always say like, oh, if I could even just do like one shift a month, I would still keep my finger in the pot because it was such a fascinating learning and growing experience for me to uh, to have that career. But of course, eventually, through my next move of becoming an entrepreneur and, and starting my own graphic design business, I just didn't have the time anymore to be able to engage in that work.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, that's a great segue. So, cause you were doing this while you were going through school, you said, while you were doing, um, a BCom at, uh, a bachelor of commerce in university. And then once you graduated, you decided to, um, create your
1: own business is that right Yeah it all happened quite organically I I had completed the bachelor of commerce well actually I had completed the graphic design diploma first and then completed the bachelor of commerce degree and it was like my business was already just happening through referrals people were knew that what I had done and I was just before I knew it was like okay I'm I'm running a business and that was part of why I decided to go and get the business degree because I thought okay I better like learn how to run a business if I'm going to be running a business.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: So So that that... was sort of how that came about for me.
0: Very cool. And, um, isn't that, uh, I don't know. I'd be curious now with the, with the training and perspective that you have, um, how did you interpret that at the time that the business just created itself organically? I mean, I hear like law of attraction in there, (laughs) uh, but I don't know, did you, did you have that kind of awareness of that feeling about it at the time?
1: Yeah. So that's, what's really interesting to me too, is that I did not. So I was what, um, in my, in my, uh, teaching now, what we would refer to as an unconscious competent people who are using the law of attraction, um, to manifest results that they want, but they are not aware that that is the process that they're going through. They're just, they just have these certain underlying beliefs and these beliefs help to um, attract the uh, outcomes that they desire. And of course, in my situation, because I was an unconscious competent, I was also excellent at manifesting results that I did not want to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Can you talk a bit more about that?
1: Well, yeah, just, you know, um, that's been the biggest gift to for me in, in becoming more conscious about What has happened behind the scenes in both my successes and my failures is now I feel like I have more um, opportunity to create the results that I do want. Whereas before things were just happening and I didn't really understand my success and I didn't really understand why bad things were happening either. Mm. And so now when something happens that's negative, I harvest that for the good. Rather than focusing on a, on a victim perspective and being like, why did this happen? And getting really stuck in that like I used to. Now it's like, okay, so this has happened. How is that serving the, the result that I do want? What can I harvest from that experience and apply to the outcomes that I do want? And that really just helps to shift the energy over to um, you know, creating the results that I desire.
0: Yeah. Ooh, this is so juicy. And we're, we're going to talk about this more in the context of your coaching business. Um, just before we get there, I want to just kind of keep the thread going here. So you have, you've, you're you now running your own business. You're working along this route. And then I know that you you had some changes in your personal life. Like you decided to start a family, for example, and then the, the journey took you to morph into the coaching. And so I'm curious, like how, how do you describe those years? Now your business is up and running, um, in the, in the time that that happened to kind of moving you into the coaching um, sphere. How do you describe that time, that process?
1: Well, I had a really interesting experience in 2010 when I, I set a big goal. Um, I, I decided that I wanted to do something to give back to the Women's Sexual Assault Center. That was a place where I had received a lot of um, help for myself on my own journey and I wanted to do something to give back. So I decided to run a half marathon with a goal to raise $10,000 for the Women's Sexual Assault Center. Wow, good for you,
0: (laughs) that's a big goal.
1: Thank you. Um, As I did in those days, I procrastinated, (laughs) actually training (laughs) and actually fundraising and found myself two weeks before race day thinking, Okay, so I'm now signed up for this race, which I have I still have not even ran 10 kilometers and it's a 21 and a half kilometer race. And I have not fundraised a dime for this. So what's my plan? <laughs> so <laughs> I Oh my
0: gosh, you're giving me heart palpitations <laughs> just listening to this CJ.
1: <laughs> that was a very motivating situation to um well, I guess the only words coming to mind right now are shit or get off the pot. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that sums
0: it up. <laughs>
1: so I decided to just, you know what, I'm going to pour my heart into this email. I'm going to share my own experiences of why I feel passionate about raising um, money for the Women's Sexual Assault Center, why this is such an um, un- undiscovered or un- undiscussed um Like, issue in our society. And I really want to let people know that, like, this isn't just something that happens to other people. This is something that happened to me, and it happens to one in three women. And so I um, expressed that in an email and sent it out to some of my close friends and family to start with. I didn't, I wasn't prepared to share it publicly. But within 10 days, I had earned $10,000. Wow. And
0: oh.
1: <laughs> right. And yeah. and so that story then ended up being picked up by by several uh, media and news outlets because I ended up being the top fundraiser in history for the uh, Victoria Marathon. Wow. And, um, and so through that experience, and then of course, and then I, I, because I had all this positive energy, like I ran that, that whole half marathon and I ran like 90% of it. I had a few, you know, walking breaks, but I was shocked at my, my own physical abilities. And, uh, I had a goal of finishing in under three hours and I did, I finished in under three hours. Everything went according to the beliefs and I harnessed all this good. And I realized I had so many emails and letters and even people, some people sent me gifts that they, I didn't even know these people um, thanking me for just talking about it. I mean, this was before the Me Too movement and everything. So it really wasn't something that we would see on the news very often. Yeah, and um, And so I realized I wanted to start using my gifts in a way that would serve people more on a personal level, rather than helping my business clients meet their business goals, I really use that experience to understand that I have some gifts to help use those leadership qualities I was talking about earlier, and really make a huge ripple of, of, of positive impact in the world.
0: Yeah, I I just love, oh, I love that story. And I love your the way you describe it. And what I hear is that you were able to like, take a personal experience that was painful and, and perhaps you had viewed as a negative. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but, and like really claim it as a source of, of power and um, strength within you. And then to see, once you did that, to see the reverberations, right? The response and what you were able to create through that claiming process. I mean, it sounds like it was a turning point for you. Do you, do you describe it as that?
1: Absolutely. It was the one of the most um, remarkable experiences of my life. And, you know, that $10,000 grew to be over $50,000 before the year was up. And I ended up being awarded all these things that I was not going into this experience as to gain anything for myself. But in addition to just the uh, enlightenment that I gained and that feeling of positive um, validation of being seen and making a difference in the world. I ended up winning a trip to go to Africa through this and mm. winning a top 20 under 40 award and all these unanticipated outcomes that seemed like such lofty sort of those goals that you're like, yeah, I'd love to go to Africa someday, but like how, you know,
0: right. Right.
1: just tapping into my own potential and just doing something to give back to the world in the way that I knew I could. Created the pathway to all these other things that I also wanted, but didn't know how I would get.
0: Right. Well, and and in that is that where the kind of the 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 seeds or the 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 nuggets that started to move you toward the coaching were were um, were sown. Is that where that began?
1: Definitely, because I thought, wow, that took me a good you know thirty years to figure that out. Right. <laughs> And, um, you know, as somebody who's also a parent, I was looking at my own children and watching them grow and thinking to myself, like, wow, what kind of beliefs are they absorbing? You know, even at times when I'm, I'm parenting, like, perhaps I don't intend to set them up with a belief, but I actually somehow am creating a negative belief for them through my own parenting. And so just realizing as well that if kids can have these tools right out of the gates, what's possible in the world? Like, how does a child who understands how the law of the universe works, a child who understands that their beliefs and their mindset shapes their reality, how does that child grow up and address real problems like climate change or Mm. curing diseases that have no cure and things like that because they believe in what seems to be impossible. They believe that they can do it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I think is so... um, interesting and also powerful about your coaching business in particular is that you're working you're taking this mindset work to families and kids uh, versus where this type of study normally has resided is in the adult realm Uh, and you tell this you've told me uh, in the past this really lovely story that i i'd love for you to share again about like how I think my, my understanding is you were kind of wrestling with this a little bit when you were launching your coaching business around like how to actually incorporate the, 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 the family or the child aspect into this. And you told this really lovely story about Maggie and the goal card. Yeah. You
1: want to share that. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So What happened was I was doing the work myself, right? I was, I was in, like you said, I was in this coaching community and I was studying Bob Proctor's Thinking Into Results program. And part of the program is to watch or listen to these lessons repetitively. So for each week, I would be listening to the same lesson at least once, but often twice every single day. And uh, of course it was COVID. So my kids were home with me and they were just running around doing their thing while I was, you know, watching whatever it was that I was watching that week. And um, so I didn't think too much about it. I didn't, I wasn't sitting them down to watch it with me together, but they were actually absorbing this content, I guess. So I had ordered myself some index cards because part of the program is to write down your goal, your goal on a little card and to carry that around with you. And so I ordered some index cards one night after my kids were in bed on Staples. And, of course, they showed up a couple days later. And I hadn't talked to my kids about it or anything. I open up the box and I pull out this package of index cards. And my 4-year-old says to me, hey, mom, Bob says you can write your goals on there, right? <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, Bob does say that. Tell me more about your goal.
0: <laughs> so. It's amazing, right? So she's absorbing this just from you having it playing, playing through the house.
1: Totally. And then, you know, we, so we had written on there. I I helped her to write. I'm so happy now that I can. And she wrote down the word read. She was learning, practicing reading at the time. And uh, so I said, oh, that's an amazing, what a great C type goal that is. And, uh, and we started talking about how our feelings are really the things that help us to take action towards our goals. And so I thought, you know, how does a child like really understand their feelings or how does she express like her language is still developing, developing. So a lot of the time her feelings are more um, like expressed in polarity. So it's like happy or sad, but maybe not the whole range of feelings in between. So I started inviting her to draw her feelings. And through that, she ended up drawing so many incredible little characters with all these different feelings and, 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 uh, different perspectives. And, and so I ended up just taking that and, and using those images to personify a lot of the concepts that I talk about in the coaching program to actually create a visual, to represent concepts like perception.
0: Wow. Oh my gosh. She days. I'm just listening to him. Like you are so perfectly suited to be doing this work. <laughs> you, you, you're, you're just thinking about it in a way like even as someone who's familiar with the material myself because I've studied it as well I couldn't my brain just would not think to um, adapt it and approach it in the way that yours clearly has in order so that it's accessible for younger for younger people and families. It's so cool. So I'm curious CJ, you know your mind, Clearly, you identified a need here for kids with this material, and I'm, I'm curious around like where that came from, like when you're, because you were studying this material as an adult, Um, I guess when, when, uh, was it just when uh, Maggie pulled up the goal card and you realized, you know, she'd been absorbing a lot more than you thought she did, that you saw it as an opportunity? Or how did you kind of arrive at, at, at that, um, that direction to go that direction with it?
1: Well, you know, I think there were a few things like, you know, it was, it was a pandemic and it was um, a pretty crazy time for everybody. Even uh, my daughter was having a hard time with just the sudden disruption in her routine because she was in a, a preschool program at the time. and. Mm-hmm was cut off immediately from all of her friends and all of her familiar routines. And so there were like a lot of feelings that I was managing with her. And then I was of course on my own journey as a parent, you know, going through my own struggles. I never ever um, think of myself or try and portray myself as the perfect parent. Like we all have our struggles. So really I kind of created this program for myself in a way Mm -hmm. to create those supports for myself to, help my child find ease in in her way of coping with the external world that we cannot control and find her own calm within that and also for me as a parent to be able to um, not end up you know unconsciously creating negative paradigms in my children or repeating patterns that have gone on for you know generations in my own family lineage um but to actually try and use this, uh, experience of a pandemic to find a greater sense of awareness and to bring this gift that I think so many families can benefit from regardless of whether or not there's a global pandemic going on. But of course there's no better time like now than to really like dig deep and start looking at some of the underlying feelings that are driving our behaviors in the world.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love your perspective on that. You know, it's really, um, I'd say it's unique. A lot of us in the coaching community have been able to identify the positives and the opportunities within COVID, but we're, we're amongst, you know we're, we're in the minority, I would say. Um, and I know for me, it's been such a gift and I love that you were able to take that perspective and apply it here. And I, I love what you said about how the idea was really born from like, you were trying to create something for yourself. Like you had the need. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that that's where the best ideas and solutions you know, program services, products, whatever, that, that when they come from something that you need that you maybe you've created for yourself, that it's the best kind of, of service.
1: Yeah, you bet. I mean, I'm a solo parent. So there was no like tapping out for a minute and just being able to go and take a power hour to myself to focus on my own stuff. So it was a real opportunity when COVID hit to just kind of be like, okay, so here we are. I've got two very small children. My kids are four and one, so they still need a lot of attention. And I also had, you know, my own goals and my own financial obligations to manage on top of that. And so I knew that doing it the way that I did it before was not going to work because I didn't have the supports that I had before. So I needed to find a new way to really like integrate my children into what I was doing. And so bringing them into this business felt like the perfect thing because, Now it's, it's, it's got ease. It's fun. You know, my daughter and I are drawing pictures together. She draws them on paper. Then I digitize them on my iPad. She feels so proud to see her artwork then made into something else on my iPad and shared into a meme on the Facebook group. And, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. been so beautiful to see us be able to collaborate in that way.
0: Totally. That is so lovely. Oh, I love, I just, just can just picture that. Um, And, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, right, as you're saying, like, I I love this notion of creating the business around your kids, because you were with your kids 24 seven, and that was what you had to do. And it sounds like it's a really good thing, because Maggie has been pretty helpful in (laughs) um, helping you, you know, develop and create this business, because you talked about how, you know, she was the inspiration around the goal card, but she also that goal card, she helped you out again, didn't she, in terms of, of developing your program?
1: Yeah, so that's a crazy thing, too. So when I made the decision to certify, um, I had sent that photo of uh, Maggie holding up her goal card that I took that day. And I said, oh, isn't this cute? You know, really, this this whole experience with uh, my children really absorbing this content has really um, inspired me to now create a program for children and families to do together, um, based on the framework of thinking into results based on Bob Proctor's program. And so I sent it to um, the person who had, uh, who had, uh, I had been speaking to about the coaching opportunity. And he thought it was such a cute picture and such a great idea, he forwarded it along to Bob Proctor. (laughs) (laughs) So Bob Proctor got the email and just called him right back right away and said, Hey, who is this person? I really want to talk to her and hear more about this program that she's developing.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. What a story that, like to just hop on the phone with Bob Proctor. I, I mean, if, if the listeners don't know Bob Proctor, he's like, well, I'd say, I say he's a pretty big deal <laughs> and to hop on the phone with him is not, not a simple thing to do. Very cool. Very cool. Well, tell us Um, Tell us CJ a little bit more about your program um, and what it looks like for um, the families that you work with.
1: Yeah, So I wanted to create the program in a way that was going to be really engaging for kids and families, not something that was like a should that they should do and just study and just have all this extra knowledge that they weren't necessarily practicing. So I knew I had all these beautiful images that my daughter had created that can really help to create um, a picture on the screen of your mind when you're thinking of these concepts, because we do think in pictures. That's one of the things that Bob teaches is that we think in pictures And so I thought, okay, well, that's great. I have these pictures to help with the studying, but how do we actually take that knowledge and and bridge the knowing doing gap so that we're not just studying and learning, but we're actually practicing the different concepts and bringing them into the family as a way to connect and grow together. And so what I did was I went through the entire framework of the program and lesson by lesson, I created a series of play-based experiences around the framework of thinking into results. So that for every lesson, there's quite a few different um, play activities that families can choose, sort of a choose your own adventure kind of a model, um, how they want to uh, take that learning and bring it into their their actions that week.
0: Wow, really cool. And do you do this, um, is there a particular age range like a target age range for the families you work with or is it applicable at all ages
1: well i really feel that it's applicable at all ages because there's different activities that are going to appeal to different uh, demographics and mm-hmm. even as an adult i think you know from the learning that I've done, a lot of our uh, beliefs are actually centered around beliefs that we adopted when we were children. And one of the ways of becoming conscious and working through some of the beliefs that are no longer serving us is by connecting with our own inner child. Right. And so connecting through this children's artwork and connecting through play-based experiences with children and really, you know, I feel that ch- like young children... They haven't necessarily got those beliefs yet. So we can actually learn a lot from our kids because they come into this world, I believe, with a knowingness already about what their purpose is and what, mm-hmm. you know, how they're going to show up in the world. And it's they end up sort of learning sometimes through societal norms and cultural beliefs and things like that. Um, to show up differently than their authentic self, and so my program really encourages all of us, regardless of where you're at in that spectrum, to get back into the mindset that we had when we were a young child—just play for the sake of fun and fun. You know, doing it for the joy is enough.
0: Mm. Oh, I love that. It is. It's a. Um, it's a really. I know it's a really fundamental part of the program, uh, but it's also. I just love like you know that permission that that, in, that not just permission, but encouragement to understand that, you know, the path to getting better results is, is really to let your imagination go and spend time in that dreaming state where you can really connect with what you want. And uh, I, I really believe that as adults, well, it even starts, I guess, in childhood, right. That we're discouraged. Very young kids are, we tend to encourage their imaginations, but then it kind of cuts off. Uh, I don't know. Exactly where, but kind of in school maybe or middle childhood, where it becomes discouraged to dream, and it's a real disservice to us in terms of our growth.
1: You bet. I mean, right now it's so interesting because my my youngest daughter is learning how to walk right now, and I look at that and be like, "Wow, this is something she's never done before. She's never walked or ran or anything like that." But And she falls on her face like or on her butt like how many times like every single day. It's happening multiple times every single day where she's failing and failing and failing to reach her goal. And yet she continues to have that driver to just get up and do it. And she knows and she believes that she's going to be able to run. And it's just a matter of getting up and doing it and taking the inspired action towards her goal. And like, we all start out that way, right? Whether it be learning to walk or learning to read or, you know, any of the different milestones we go through in our lives at a certain point, we have absolutely no fear. We just have an expectation that of course we're going to learn it. Right? So it's really the fear that is a learned experience. Yeah. And so my process is about letting go of that and getting back into that sense of imagination where as children, you know, I, I imagine that as my, my one-year-old can't speak yet, obviously, but I watch her studying my four-year-old and watching all the things that Maggie can do and thinking to herself, like, I can do that too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Mm-hmm. And at what point is it that we see somebody else winning an Oscar award or something and we stop telling ourselves, hey, if that's what I want, I can do that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We take other people's accomplishments as maybe evidence as to why we can't do it. Exactly. They have something we don't have or,
1: but we're not born that way. Right. We learn entirely on modeling ourselves around what's going around uh, on around us. So like, you know, if, if, uh, Micah just saw Maggie and I crawling all the time, she might not even think to get up and walk. Right. But she sees (laughs) us doing something different. And so instead of it her othering herself and being like, well, they can walk, but I can't. Her assumption is, okay, clearly my people walk. So me too. If I'm seeing them to do it, I can do it too. Right. And that's true for anything. You see someone go on a, on a, a a rocket ship to the moon. Like why not say me too? If that's (laughs) something that you want me too.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So you, I know you've started this really phenomenal uh, community on Facebook. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about that group? And is that the best place for parents to go if they want to learn more about working with you?
1: You bet. That is the best place to go. And, um, it's becoming an amazing community of like-minded, uh, families who are all there. And even just people who, some people are on there that don't even have kids, but they love this connection to their inner child. And they love these play-based experiences and they love learning in that way. And so, um, it's on Facebook. The The name is mindset family, or, and I can share the URL as well. Um, yeah.
0: Win the podcast for sure.
1: Perfect. Yeah. And and so um, what's on there is there's some free uh, workshops on there. There's a few free workshops on there that you can do to actually start bringing this into practice uh, on your own. And then there's also um, I do micro missions with my kids and we share about the kinds of play that we're doing to bring these these um, these theories into into practice for ourselves. And then there's also, if you want to work together, of course, I've got this whole, uh, program built around the thinking into results family, uh, thinking into results program. And so families can sign up and actually do the whole program together in a, in a group coaching, um, setting as well.
0: Mm. That is so exciting, CJ. I, I hope people who are listening, if they have any kind of exposure to thinking into results, I think, and they're a parent, maybe even if they're not a parent, I think they'll appreciate, uh, just the, the the opportunity here and, and the and the power of bringing this material to young people but if you don't like I really encourage you to to just look into the fundamentals of the program and then start to think about like what it would be like if you could actually you know instill and facilitate this kind of learning and belief building in your children right before you have to kind of undo a lot like a lot of us in the program as adults you know we're We're undoing a lot of the beliefs that aren't serving us, right, that we picked up earlier in life. Imagine if you could, you know, uh, mitigate or or reduce those and have serving beliefs from the beginning. Like, I just can't even really imagine that. It's really exciting.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, that's what's so powerful about Um, both the free Facebook group and also the investment opportunity to work together as as a client and as a coach, having that guidance and that support, because even in the community, having the support of other parents who are going through the mess too. you know, nobody's here to do it perfectly. There is no doing it perfectly. It's learning from our mistakes. It's, 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 uh, being child centered and, and asking yourself questions when it's feeling really hard. Like, what if it was easy? You know, what if it's me that's making this hard? What if I just allow it to be easy, you know, and having that as a group experience and tapping into that group power of people with the same intentions is so powerful and so supportive to parents.
0: Oh, totally incredible. Uh, This is amazing. CJ, thank you so, so much um, for being so generous with your story and your experience and for telling us about what you do. It's really exciting, the coaching that you're offering. And uh, I know as a parent of older kids, like, well, I know there's still an opportunity to bring it to them at this point, but it really excites me to think about, uh, you know, exposing my family to this kind of material. So Amazing. Congratulations on this phenomenal business. And thank you so much for being here.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love talking about this kind of thing. And um, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to be here.
0: Well, I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you did too. I can personally attest to the power of a good coach. So if we piqued your curiosity, I strongly encourage you to head over to CJ Smith's community on Facebook, Mindset Families, and explore further what it looks like to study the material of thinking into results and work with her as a coach. This concludes the sixth episode of She Inspired, and we are rolling right along. I'm going to be back later this week with two new episodes, both from across the pond. Yes, we are leaving the continent of North America and leaping across the Atlantic, first to the UK, where I will bring you uh, a conversation with Kim Adele Platt, legacy leadership coach, such an interesting woman and the life experiences she's had. Wow, it's going to be a great conversation. And after that, I go south down into Nairobi, Kenya, where I'll be speaking with L.Y.T. yoga specialist Rachna Patel. This woman is a powerhouse. I'm really excited to bring you both these conversations. Please tune in later this week. I will see you then. And thank you for listening.